Hi, my name is Kevin McDonald, and I'm declaring my independence. Independence from what? Why, negative thoughts and energy, of course. Chief among them, hate, division, and fear. You see, I know that we're all one, and together we can solve any problem, save our planet and each other. Please, join me as we come together as one and choose a better way to be. So now, let's begin with my independence report. And welcome, everybody, to another episode of My Independence Report. My name is Kevin McDonald. No, that's not me over there. That's <laughs> me over here. Uh, right, this is not an optical illusion. It is the strangest damn thing in the whole world because because I, I I met uh, Reverend Rob uh, last week and was like, huh? How could that be? My My brother from another mother is right over there. And uh, even even his lovely wife was taken aback. Absolutely. She took a picture of the screen and has been sending it to her friends. So, uh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Reverend Rob, it's a pleasure to have you on uh, my independence report today. And we are going to do um, the Tarot with an Attitude on Friday on KKNW for Think Energy. But I wanted to spend some time with you because you have got a, I've had a very interesting past, but you have got a very interesting past in another way. And uh, even though we look alike, um, we you, your past is completely different from mine. Um, let's, let's start with, uh, you, were, you were a police officer for a long time. For a long time, for right at 14 years, and that was in the youngest stage of my career, my, you know, my, my working life, things like that. I was 20, wasn't even old enough to buy ammo, you know, and spent the next 14 years. But see, that's what happens when you go to Bible school and get your girlfriend pregnant at Bible school and you wind up getting married and you come out of there going in the first semester going, I don't know what I'm doing. I got to do something to make some money. <laughs> Oh, my 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 goodness gracious! See, I didn't think that happened in Bible school, although I keep hearing differently. But but apparently, um, even though you know, I had a conversation with my mom, do you remember that that uh, that piece of paper that uh, that uh, was going around that the young girls would sign that were that were evangelicals that they would uh, save themselves until marriage? Remember the that? chastity agreement? Yeah, oh, absolutely. That was. Yeah. That, that no long that didn't last very long i'm afraid well you know i i, I don't know it, you know i'm a baptist preacher's kid my dad became a baptist preacher later in life and i was like in high school when he actually became a preacher um and we were around the circuit because of the baptist fellowships and all that stuff so i was very well known in the independent fundamental world with preachers and stuff. And when I showed up at the Baptist Bible College, um, they started a pool on uh, how long I was going to be there. <laughs> and I did not disappoint. I made it a semester and about a quarter. And well, like I said. Was it because you were too independent minded? Yeah, I, yeah. Rules and me just don't get it. There's a thing I do, and I just had took a, a test, and we'll talk about that more later. But um, about why I do what I do, and it's you know know your why. And mine is I why because I challenge everything. Because if we can do it a different way or better way, 
I want to do it that way. So it's not just, let's just keep doing the same thing over and over. I'm built on, why are we doing this this way? Is this really what we need to do? Is this what we're working? So yeah, I challenged everything. I challenged everything. I actually had an employer tell me, you know, you're not a very good employee. (laughs) (laughs) And, And I said, well, what do you mean? And he says, well, you want to do things your own way. And you can't do that if you're an employee. So you better be an employer because then yeah. you can do it your own way. So you and I are very similar that way. By the way, if you're just tuning in, this is Reverend Rob Lee. He's all the way over in Florida. I'm in Seattle. We couldn't be farther apart, but we're not farther apart. If that makes no, sense. we're not. We're not. We're not. Yeah. So, yeah, no. So that's getting to know me. That was kind of my early adulthood start. Um I could do two things. I went to school. I had several vocal music scholarships. Uh, I was going to the college to be a music youth director type of thing. So, you know, and that doesn't generally go over too good in the Baptist church when you leave because your girlfriend got pregnant uh, in the dean's office. Um, Anyways, it it was one of those things, you know, and we were married for... I think right at eight years, three beautiful children together or whatnot. Um, But at that point, I had to figure out real quick, uh, what am I going to do to make money? I now have a family. I'm 19, married, and had a kid. Uh, And I could do two things, sing. And at that time in my life, I was so full of anger, I could fight. And so I got into police work. And it seemed to work out very well for a while. But then again, in my challenge, it was, I started challenging, why are we doing this? Why are we treating people this way? Things of that nature. And uh, 14 years later, I walked away from it. I walked away from it. What time frame was this? Was this in the 70s, 80s? 80s, early 80s, early 80s, early 80s, 14 years into the early 90s. It was an interesting time then. It was an interesting time. Oh, very interesting. Yeah. Now you were you were part of a small police force. Yes, uh, the first department I went to only had uh, five officers. Uh, almost all of them had been arrested on a drug scheme by the the uh, Florida Department of Law Enforcement. So they brought me in, young and stupid, and I was the senior officer at literally twenty years old, nineteen to twenty years old. Um, and they were like, "That way, you don't have any bad habits." It was the sergeant and my chief, and that was it. I rode around one night. They're like, you'll do. Here's a car, you know, whatnot. And that was how I got started in police work. It was it was, it was, was not the right way to go. But let me tell you something. I learned a lot of crap real fast. You, you know? have no choice. Oh, no. No. Sink or swim. Sink or swim. So, and then I left there, and I came back over to the east coast of Florida, uh, and... 10 to 15 officers. I like smaller departments because you do it all. You do everything, every, you know, whatnot. So, uh, have a lot of certifications in a lot of different areas and, uh, you know, went on there, but it literally became a thing of, I don't like where this is going. A lot of what you see now, I was predicting and because people became numbers, attorneys were running everything and we lost any ability to be individualized or have a personal relationship. So. What was it like as, years later after that? And I know you probably watched it as I did. 
uh, when George Floyd was uh, um, being arrested. What did, what did, what was your thoughts? What you, what were you thinking about that? Well, in the first place, the officer that was on top of him, like, okay, there's an idiot. Um, the whole <laughs> the whole point being, you know, you just don't. I didn't know, and, and it surprised me. Like in this, certain states banned the chokehold. You know, and I was amazed because when I started in '80. People talk about how backward Florida is. We had banned the chokehold before I started. So I'm like, uh, all right, maybe Florida ain't so backwards after all. We knew right away people could get hurt. You don't mess with the neck, period. It's just, in Florida, it's off limits. Chokeholds are off limits. They're still off limits. They are not taught. You you got to get an old, old cop to teach you how to do a chokehold. So if somebody's doing a chokehold, they've either gotten it from a martial arts class or they have gotten it from an old timer that knows what he's doing. But there's a reason you're not supposed to know it because people can get hurt anytime you mess with the neck or whatnot. Um, What I hate about that whole thing is, you know, he was mistreated, but we've forgotten everything about it. And we've idolized, we, we, we forgot that he was truly a criminal. So there was parts of this where I was like mad at everybody, mad at both sides, because it was like, that's not how you treat people. That's one of the reasons I got out of police work. And it still doesn't make him not a criminal. Right. <laughs> you know, we don't have a statue of Al Capone in Chicago. <laughs> you know, let, let, let's face it, you know, uh, it just doesn't happen. So yeah, there was a lot of mixed emotions on me for that and a lot of misguided things. And I started seeing how the media was leading people down different paths. And, uh, it was, it was really troublesome for me. Depending Still on the media you were listening to. Exactly. Exactly. Cause they can, they can these days, you know, um, you and I are of a similar age and I, re- I remember, in a simpler time, but it wasn't a simpler time. But I remember the uh, CBS Evening News. Do you remember that? Walter Cronkite. Oh, yes. And, and uh, that was where we, everybody got their news, and he prided himself, as did Huntley and Brinkley and the other guys on the other channels. They prided themselves on, on all being actual journalists and reporters. And, yes. And talking about the truth, and you could go from one channel to the next channel and it would be very similar as far as tone as far as content and and what the story was they just reported what the story was they didn't um um create a a, a whole a whole feeling around th- their viewpoint and uh, become an editorial board as, as exactly a- they didn't editorialize the news there was a half hour in the evening or an hour you could find out what was going on locally in your area and the news was just that this happened and they believed we were smart enough to interpret for uh, interpret the stuff for ourselves they just told us the news and then they built all the editorials that people wanted to look at different things of it but even then if you remember what was really cool they had opposing viewpoints on their editorial shows and that way it wasn't just pumping one mainstream idea. Now it is whatever idea. 
And and I listened to a young lady um, who is a new young journalist saying, well, most people don't understand it, so I need to tell you what this means to you. And, and that idea that we've all gotten mush for brains and we can't, in, you know, hear the news and understand how it affects me, man, that, that's kind of, mm, yeah, my no. challenge factor is in, high, in overdrive. Well, you know, we live in a very strange time, and, and we are on my independence report when we're declaring our freedom from hate, division, and fear. And there is a lot of that going around right now. How do you see it, being, being that you were in law enforcement and you have paid attention, how do you see us getting out of that? You know what? It's going to take a. It's going to take some effort, and it's going to take people to leave behind, uh, to leave some things behind. And I've always said, you know, when we solve problems, we know what the the very uh, frenetic right wing right wing right wants. We know what the very frenetic right wing left wants. The problem is the people that'll fix this are the ones like you and I that may have differences of opinion, but are able to sit down and say, okay, I know the ultimate goal. You know my ultimate goal. So what are we willing to give up to meet in the middle? And and nobody's talking about that. It's all demands. It's all screaming. It's all yelling, you know, and, and that's why everybody's like done. Um, you know, with with regard to the race thing. I remember in the 80s when they were saying race is getting worse. Mm -hmm. The majority of police and things like that, they were saying, I think we're getting along better with everybody than what we have a better understanding than what we did in the 70s. And in the 60s, we have more diversified thought at that point. It's like, okay, people, 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 not a certain sector. But once, I think it's become a necessity to keep us all yelling and fighting. And that's one of the reasons I started Tarot with an Attitude, to give people a place to come out. I'm called the Bangarang Man. What you put out is what you get back. Bangarang from the movie Hook. And that that's just important. It was a place to give people to come learn to heal. Well, now after you, after you quit the police force, you also mm -hmm. went and got your master's degree, correct? Well, I would actually, I, I quit the police force. My wife was really pissed and she's like, uh, okay, uh, what are we doing? Because I did, I just did my typical time to turn the page, you know? And the guy that hired me was a guy that I had arrested for a felony. And yeah, it's, it, it's kind of crazy. But when I showed up for work Monday morning, it was a demolition crew. Um, you know, it, it, it shows you that don't assume anything about anybody. He told the work crew when they're all like, what the hell is he doing here? Like, first off, nobody's ever treated me as good as he ever treated me when he arrested me and he helped me out. Number two, he's the only one standing here who's got a damn license. And the cops aren't going to screw with him. So, and I worked for him a year and a half. This man literally wound up paying my wife's car payments for three months to help me out. Does that sound like any felon or criminal that you, there's so many other backstories and individual and individuals that sometimes a mistake doesn't make who you are. And, and, and that was where I got into that. And then he actually got me my next job in the call center work. So this person I arrested for a felony took me on the next 10 to 15 years of my life 
where I made the most money I ever made at that time, got me insurance benefits, got me everything else. And I went to work for call centers, um, went around the world doing different things and, and had an awesome time. Um, it wasn't until 50 when my oldest boy, when I did so good with the call centers, they sold it. I came home from the Philippines and they said, okay, great job. You're out of a job. Now here I am at 50 with a GED. What am I going to do? My oldest boy said, you got to go back to school. Nobody's going to take you anymore without the paper. So at 50, I had a GED and went back to college. That is an incredible story. That, that it, really is. Uh, because, you know, it, because when I turned 50, I had uh, been doing uh, the, the radio show and uh, had been trying to make radio work. And I had been in uh, sales and sales management for a long time. And I started applying again for sales and sales management. And I found out that at 50, I was too old. You got to watch how you fill out a resume anymore because they they don't like the age. It just, you know, you're going to quit. You're going to go on retirement. You're going to screw up my medical insurance because of your, you know, your heart, your stroke, you need a gastric bypass, whatever, you know? And uh, yeah, no, they don't like it. They don't like it. So I had to go make myself useful in the new world. And that was one of my sons teaching me that lesson. How did you do it? Just put my head down and started back. I went full time. And at 50, I just one, one goal at a time. Let me get my AA or AS. I got done with my AS. Now I'm going for my bachelor's. And I kept going. I did a lot of it online, but through University of Central Florida, Go Knights, um, fully accredited one of the larger universities, and they were one that perfected the online thing. And then I got it and was like, I'm going to keep going. And I got my master's degree. Three years later, I had my master's degree. Now I have completed another two, two and a half years of Supervision, training as an intern, things like that. And I've submitted all my paperwork and I'm sitting here waiting on the state of Florida to go, bing, you are now a licensed clinical social worker. And I just turned 60 last month, you know, so, or early this month, actually. So what are you going to do with that degree? Have you decided? You know, some of it is I want to, I, I want to do some of the online things. The other thing is I, I, I keep. I worked with addicts for a long time through my internship, through things like that. I worked at trauma center and, and grief, but I, I have done a lot of addictions work. The addictions work can be very tiring, but it's also very rewarding. There's no in the middle. You're either very up or you're very down. Um, some of that I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back into doing that again. But I, I'm trying to embrace more of the online, get people going. And that in that field is where I actually started uh, using tarot. So, And tarot with an attitude is we're going to talk about that on Friday on KKNW. And we'll be even taking calls because he is he did some readings for us and he is just phenomenal at doing that. But you are much more than just that uh, because. Oh, yeah. I don't mean to say just that, but you are more than that because you are, you, you're a man that's got a great heart and you want to help people and you want to do some marvelous things with your, and have done some marvelous things with your life and you want to keep, you want to keep going. And I, I, I applaud you. I think you're doing an incredible, incredible work. 
I, I agree. And one of the things I found out was stop being all fluffy. I don't do fluffy well. Every time we started to do the good cop, bad cop, you know, I'd say, I want to be the good cop this time. And before long, my partner's looking at me like, wait a minute, we flipped here somewhere and I don't know where. But it, sarcasm is a birth defect and I got a double dose, man. So in working with addicts, it became very clear you know, most of them, it's not their first time at the rodeo. And it became very clear to me, these people need somebody to just talk to them like they would. They need somebody to speak. I use language. I do whatever I need to do, but it's real. And they need somebody not to powder their butts and, oh, you know, we'll, we'll get it next time. You know, you're like, what the hell were you thinking? You know, yeah, it, it, how's that working out for you? What are we going to do to change it? What do you want to do to change it? And, uh, you know, that's where it comes out with terror with an attitude. I, I tell people a lot of times, like, uh, yeah, don't shoot the messenger. But uh, you just really did something stupid with your wife. Uh, you know? <laughs> well, you yeah. know. Flowers ain't going to cut it, bro. <laughs> well, because you've, you've been down the road. See, I've known a lot of, a lot of police officers because I was a bus driver for a long time. And oh, they, wow. I bet you did meet a lot of police officers. I did. And I also met a lot of addicts, um, and but but mine was a different different viewpoint in that I had no control over any of that. But still, you know, you, when you're a police officer like you were, there is a an understanding of life that you have gained over time and experience than most people will ever know because you get to. Oh, you I lost you. Was that me losing you, or hold on a minute? Back? Let me see if I've got. I got, yeah, I got you. My audio, what's going on? Uh-oh. Nope, I lost my headphones. Give me just a second. I got another set here real quick. Okay. And we will go from there. This is, ladies and gentlemen, this is live radio. All and, right, let me and reset. And those happen in live radio. So that ain't going to work. All right. Uh, and let's, let's we're going to test his skills here. at operating the computer and see if he can figure out. How there we know. go. There right. we go. You're All back. Right. I'm back. I'm back. Oh, you know? very nice. Very nice. Yeah. Okay, let me let me rephrase that, which which was that you know because of your experience as a police officer, your work with addicts, and um, the the people that are in that a lot of people would call down and out, um, or having challenges, you have learned a lot about the human condition. Oh, oh man. You know, and, 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 and so much, because there's, there's not much I haven't seen, you know, from, from death and destruction and whatnot to joy and elation. I've, I've taken it. I've delivered children. I've given, I've delivered death notifications. I've been there when people died. You know, yes, all kinds of it. And one of the things, that's one of the things that drives me is to, re, is to try to remind people we're all individuals. Nobody needs to be scooped into a one-size-fits-all anything because we may share some of the same symptoms as an addict or as an alcoholic or as a heavy person or whatnot, but it doesn't mean we got there or our life is anything like the other person. And so everything needs to be individualized. And that's one of the things that that taught me in how to deal with people is this is an individual here. And, and that person needs to be treated on their own merit. And a lot of times they don't even recognize that that's who they are. They're, they're just lost. 
And, and many times they, they think they're something they're actually not because they've been told it so much, you know, that they're stupid. They're, they'll never amount to anything or whatnot. And these are people with an amazing potential. People say you can't, you know, you'll never make a tiger, you know, change its stripes or its spots or whatever. A leopard change its spots. You know what? I did. Because I used to be, uh, man, you wanted to fight? I was ready to go. Don't care. Just enjoyed it. Okay, literally enjoyed it. Uh, was was looking at the whole used to be the bad man competition in America, if you remember that, and then they outlawed it, moved it to Canada, and I'm like, damn it! I just got I got busted at the one you know here in uh, Florida where I was. I kept trying to sneak in early with, with with fake ID and stuff, and I was always busted. And you know, then it became legal, and I was freaking old. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm not going there and getting the crap kicked out of me. Are you kidding me? Some of these people, shit, they punch their mama, you know? <laughs> so well, you're looking at, well, and you'll appreciate this. When I was 19 and Rocky came out, I decided oh, yeah. I was, was going to go uh, become a boxer. And I have the distinction of having my first amateur bout in the state reformatory at Monroe. Okay. Wow. It was also my last fight, by the way. <laughs> because I learned in the process that I, being a relatively upper middle class kid, thought that it was a sport. I was wrong. It, yeah. uh, it has nothing to do with being a sport. No, it's who comes out alive. <laughs> And, and it's not even it's not even uh, done uh, tongue in cheek. That is the reality. And yeah. the, and I was fighting an inmate. I forgot. Of course, I probably never knew that an inmate has very little else to do but train. And and not many ways to get rid of that anger. <laughs> Except for when they hit the short, fat white kid. Although at that time I was not that. I was I was really in good shape and all that kind of stuff. But then I, I did not have the mental capacity to to look at somebody and say, "I'm going to kill you and mean it." Yeah, yeah. That was the only thing that gave me a leg up. I was like, "Okay, if it's you or me, let's let's do it." You know, that was that was. I loved it. And I wound up teaching firearms. I wound up teaching impact weapons, self-defense. Yeah, no, you want to go? Let's go. You see, now, that's that's where you and I would draw the line because you got the balls to do it. I would go, oh, shit, he might kick my ass, and then I'll feel bad, and then I'll da-da-da-da, and all that kind of stuff. So I I wasn't, I, I, unless it was like on a football field or something, then, right. then it was real aggressive. But but uh, out out in the world, I know. I I wasn't much of a fighter i'm afraid yeah no i and, and again a lot of that came for me from pent-up anger and my dad having me on the stage at the church at a young age i was singing doing whatever so i didn't know enough to be embarrassed about some of my actions and in that i wound up one of the reasons i say i'm not the person i used to be man i could embarrass my family because i didn't embarrass so if i perceived bad service you know Oh, I would just disembowel the waitress in front of the whole, you know. Yeah, no, I, I didn't care. It, it, it was horrible. And, and 
And I took pride in it. When I walked out, I'm like, yep. And I thought it was cool when my kids would say, oh, dad's taking the restaurant. Here we go. You know? <laughs> and I look back now and I'm like, oh, my God. I put my kids through that. See, you yeah. were one of those guys because I was a restaurant manager. Oh, you, yeah. You were one of those guys that I would have to go and try and, de and deal with uh, when, when you were, you know. So at that point, it was like, give you food. Give you just shut up. <laughs> Just, yeah. here, take what, what do you want? My, you want my wallet? Oh, you can have my wallet. And 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 now where I'm saying I realize that's not the way to go. That beast is still in me, but he's like under glass, break glass in case of emergency. And I tell people all the time when I'm talking about spirituality or whatnot, that doesn't mean I'm going to let you push me around because I'm a or I try to keep in mind, you know, when I'm dealing with a with a waiter or a waitress now that you know. Maybe they got up this morning and their husband or wife said, you know, go away. I don't know what they're dealing with, so I'm going to give you an opportunity. And and I always try that. And I will actually tell them, can we hit the start over button because this is fixing to get bad. Or if my wife is doing it, I'm keeping my mouth shut. She will then say, I'm fixing to turn this over to my husband and I'm going to tell him I'm going to the bathroom, which is like her going, do what you do. And so I was like, okay, I haven't done this in a while. You know, so I've learned to always try, you know, because again, in the end, it's just like we're telling, you know, I can't talk to people about screaming and yelling at somebody and trying to win people over by yelling and demanding and whatnot if I'm doing the same damn thing. So I have to try to take a different approach and a subtle approach. And I pride myself on being able to do that. And that's, you know, the new me. It, it is the new me. So, uh, you know, yeah, no, I've, 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 I've been around a lot of wackiness, weird stuff, done a lot of weird stuff, you know? So, uh, now, when you were doing the call center, what was that all about? And what was that a crisis hotline kind of thing? Or no, actually not. It was back in the day. Some of our, our, our millennials will not even know what the hell we're talking about. When you used to dial 555-1212. Okay. Do you remember those days? I do. I do. Directory information is where I actually got my start. And one of the things was we started working with AT&T. Uh, got into campaigns, and I was on the first team to do one of the first chat services for Microsoft out of the same call center when they started the whole, it's Christmas, let one of our agents take you and find you something for your wife, for your kids, or whatnot. I headed that team up. And uh, so a lot of it started from there. It was directory assistance and it was customer service. And, you know, I found it funny that people would talk about, you know, the worst customer service in the world is directory assistance. Have you ever listened to you people? You know, we're trying, but when you say, you know, I want to, I, I want to talk to Bob Klahakowitz and you go, okay, is that begin with a C or a K? Well, I don't know. All right, you try it in a white pages, <laughs> okay? Well, you know, it's interesting. For those of you that are a little younger among us, there used to be a telephone number where you could check the time. Oh, my God, yeah, yeah, if absolutely. And, yeah, and and, uh, and directory assistance, it's like and somebody's out there going, well, why don't you just use your GPS? 
And it's like, we had nothing. We didn't yeah. have a GPS. We had a map. I remember when MapQuest came out and we thought, this is it. This is the new, you know, I can actually print a map and directions. So you would have like a pilot's board on your leg going somewhere and you could read the directions of where you were going. That was, yeah. So before that, it was called a road map, you know, <laughs> it was funny, you know, exactly. And, and, and us being men never read the roadmap we because we can oh, no. figure out yeah we can now i will tell you this and and i am proud of myself for this i broke out of the guy mole i would stop and ask for directions because i spent countless hours in the back seat with my father doing that same stupid crap okay and and i'm like i gotta pay well i'm almost there we're almost there no we've been almost there for three days we i should have gotten a hotel room you know and and so i am big about I don't know if I'm, let's, let's pull over and ask. Okay. You know, so I am good on that, but yeah, other than that, thank God for GPS, man. That's one of the greatest things <laughs> other than they track us wherever we go, but it's okay. At least I don't get lost. <laughs> and, and Susan says she still has paper maps in her car. <laughs> yeah. Susan, clean out the glove box. Okay. <laughs> You've, you've, you've had your car a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because if it's got roadmaps in it, it's not a 2022 anything, probably. <laughs> well, and, and not only that, the roadmaps will have changed a great deal in the last oh, yeah. 20 years. Absolutely. So, so it's, you know, Rob, I got to tell you, or Reverend Rob, uh, now, when did you get your... Uh, um, your reverence license and why did you get your license? I got my I got my license online through Universal Life Church. Uh, I got it because I became a Reiki practitioner. And one of the things we found out in doing Reiki, if you're going to do touch or contact Reiki in the state of Florida, you have to have your masseuse license. Now that's some crazy ass Reiki there, you know, but all right. That somebody got smart and said, real quick, Florida is about license for everything, but they are respectful of spiritual things. So you would either have to do Reiki as a masseuse with a masseuse license or as a minister. And I'm just ministering to you and, you and it would be for a donation. Down. Yeah. And what's funny about that is I, I still don't do contact Reiki. It's one of those things where I do more of a distance Reiki, things like that. And for the longest time, I didn't use the reverend. And then I look at some of these reverends that have no education, no, you know, somebody told them what to think by somebody who told them what to think. Right. Um, and, you know, I'm like, I've listened to you and walked out of your churches and you can call yourself a reverend. I've got a master's degree in how to deal with people. All right. I think I can use my reverend, you know, and I just, I, so I started using it. Absolutely. Now um, you are, and we're going to talk about this a great deal on Friday. So if you're listening to the show right now on Friday at noon on KKNW, uh, Rob, Reverend Rob, the, uh, uh, tarot with an attitude is going to come out and we are going to do some readings and we're going to, we're going to talk about, uh, tarot card reading and why he uses that in his work and what he does. But, uh, I just wanted to, to 
touch bases with you on your um, the work that you're doing with addiction. How are you able to help or can you help somebody that has addiction and, and can they can get clean up? Or is that something that they have to really do themselves? They've got to do a lot of the work themselves. Most of the time, and that, like that intervention show or whatever, I don't right. watch it because you wait till the end, you'll read. When everybody forced is an intervention, very, very seldom does that work, okay? Love the person, but if they don't want to get it, they're not going to get it, okay? You know? It's very easy to quit when you're in, I have literally worked with people that went to a rehab center that they were picked up in a limo and they had a meat carving station every night at their dinner. Well, you know, when you're locked into someplace like that for 90 days and you get to listen, you sit in a whirlpool and listen to, you know, all kinds of great music and have your, it's very easy to stay clean. But most of those people come out and they go right back to the place they lived, the people they knew or whatnot. So if they don't want it, it's there. They have to do the work. And I let them know that right up front. Okay. And in, in working with them, one of the key things is to love them. Don't condone their mistakes. Okay. But they're humans. They need love. They need people to understand. A lot of this is now they've got so much of that crap in their system. It's really beyond their control until they get cleaned out. Right. And it takes it takes a while. I was I was interviewing a, a gentleman. This goes back a while. He, he wrote the book, The Unfortunates. Right. And and that that is a term you're familiar with that term. It's, it's a term that that uh, law enforcement and others use to identify people who are beyond help. Yes. They're the unfortunates. We discount people in our society if they don't seem to fit our idea of where they, and that whether they're addicts, mentally ill, homeless, the, you know, we discount them. So therefore we just throw a little bit of money at it and then you're on your own, you know? And he was, he was telling me that in his world, and I'd like your take on this, in his world, there were uh, places where you would go, you would go and get state run places where you get cleaned up. You have like a five day uh, uh, um, cleaning up thing where you would go through the uh, withdrawals and all of that. And then you would go to this thing and you got two weeks and they put you in this thing for two weeks. But at the end of two weeks, you were out. And but there wasn't a lot of follow up. There wasn't a lot of uh, extra care. So because it became a revolving door where this company or whoever was running it could then charge the state for people that could not pay to go get cleaned up. And then they became repeat cleaner and cleaning uppers, I guess, <laughs> for lack of a better term. And is that one of the places I used to work? We called them frequent flyers. Really? Yep. Yep. Uh, and, and what would happen in a lot of these cases, because it's, it just, they would come in, um, Florida has a law that will help them out. You come into a facility and I'm not going to say any names or anything like that. Um, but they would come in because you could use medication assisted treatment. Suboxone, oxycodone, or not oxycodone. Um, what's the Methadone. Methadone. Thank you. Welcome. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. If, if it was an oxy clinic, somebody would be like, show me where it's at. Um, <laughs> You know, hell, I might go, um, but it's but it's one of those things 
where they could come down safely because they ran out of their money. They ran out of their disability. All the, all their funds run out. They would land safely. Check would come in right out the door. It was an open door. Okay. You could come in, but once you walked out, you couldn't come back in that time. That had to be a certain amount of time. They'd go out, get all strung out again, 30 days or, or three weeks later, guess who's back. It's a safe place to land until they get their money. So that's why it, it does get hard. Okay. Uh, it, it does get very hard and, and each Again, the individual problem is nobody is going to get cleaned up till they've hit their rock bottom. And what my rock bottom is might be completely different than yours, Kevin. And until we each hit it, what is it? And it seems to me like there's lots of folks that can go into a place, get cleaned up. But then because of the fact that they're not taught on how to negotiate life, and to deal with the stress and to deal with all the issues that come up on a day-to-day basis. <laughs> I have to tell you, I quit smoking again and uh, was having a conversation again with my sister the day, the next day. And, um, I, and we got into an argument because I quit smoking the day before. So the first thing that I went and did, guess what? I went and bought a pack of cigarettes. There you go. And, because it's it's hard you've got to be able to be in a position where you can you can work through it and you need help to work through that we can't do it ourselves right and some of it is understanding and i i've got a a method that i use because i smoke three to four packs a day for many many years i i love smoking i enjoyed it menthols you know my first cigarettes were benson and benson and benson Benson and Hedges? Benson and Hedges menthol. Menthol 100s, man, and the full yeah. flavored. So, uh, you know, I would gag on a regular cigarette, but give me a menthol? Oh, man. I'll be honest with you. I've been done 12 years now, and I still am like, mm, that would be so nice. Okay? Well, so it becomes that thing, and then I developed, I used some of my own training methods, and I developed another way to do it, so... Well, let me tell you something. If you, I quit for 15 years, and uh, I caught pneumonia in my mid-30s and, and uh, decided that was it. And then I drove a bus. I had a bad country music song going on in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, my dad died. My dog died. I lost my house. My wife left me. Well, you know, that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that real inspiring music that then we wonder why we're depressed as hell. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And then, and then my uh, my son, who is now twenty three at the time, or twenty four, uh, comes to my house and we're outside and he lights up a cigarette. And I said, "Give me one of those." That was the end of that. It was like I smoked that cigarette, went and bought a pack, and I haven't looked back since. Yeah, I I, I had quit once before years ago in police work. A matter of fact, our whole little department and deputies and things like that, we all had a meeting. And found out we all smoked menthols, so we all agreed to smoke one brand. So whenever we bummed a cigarette, it was all okay. <laughs> and we landed on, believe it or not, you got all these deputies and uh, EMTs and, and police officers that are smoking, smoking Virginia Slim Menthol Light 100s. Because it, <laughs> right in the middle. My dad's like, is your wife smoking? No. we're all, He wouldn't believe it for a long time. He thought I, he was accusing me of getting my wife to smoke. But do you, 
I, I was just going to say, do you remember the brand of cigarettes that uh, the tagline was just a silly little mil- millimeter longer? They were like 101s. Yeah, I can't remember what they are, though. Yeah, no. But, you know, I quit. My wife talked me into quitting and I quit and I came to work over here in in this side of Florida and I was doing good. And then they found out I had a very heavy background in undercover narcotics. And they started, that's a, a, a hilarious story to begin with. And they got me back into doing undercover narcotics, which I swore I would never do again. What'd they do? Buy a body bug that fit in a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> of course. Well, me, I'm like, well, of course, if they're going to pat me down, I because, and it held cigarettes. I better, I don't want to, if they make me smoke one, and I was on again for the, another 12 years. You know, one cigarette. So don't think you can have one token go right away unless you just really don't like it. If you like it, acknowledge it, and that's going to be the key is like, no, I can't do this. Well, and how could you could not? I I would find it hard to believe that you could be undercover and not in that world and not smoke. Oh, yeah. No, it, 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 I loved it, and it gave me an excuse. My wife was pissed, but it did. It, it gave me an excuse, and but off to the races I went again. And, uh, you know, what, I had a stroke, you know, all right, well, maybe it's a cigarettes. The doctor that's treating me in the hospital, his pack of cigarettes falls out on my bed, literally true story. And I, I quit for about a month and I'm like, everybody's like your blood pressure, your blood pressure, give me a cigarette. And I smoked a cigarette, boom, came right back down. Everything was good. But what I wouldn't tell anybody, I was having these little mini strokes and finally, one day, I'm like, do you want to see your youngest kid grow up? Do you want to see grandkids? You know, and, and then here's a stupid thing. I had left police work, had qualified, was in one of those places in my life where qualified for free lunches for my kid at school. And I'm sitting here going, you're asking the government to pay for your kid's lunch when I've got $12 worth of cigarettes sitting right here in my drawer, half of which would take care of his lunch for a week to two weeks. That was, that was one of the biggest things I was like, you know, it's enough. This is just stupid. And and when I added them all up, that's when I quit again. And I've been 12 years now. Good for you. So yeah, good for you. Good for you. And the, and the, you don't have any more stroke problems or any of that. No, not at all. Not at all. Good. And you seem to be fine. You, you recovered completely from the strokes. Yeah? I, rec- I did. I don't have any outward physical things. The biggest thing I've noticed, and my kids would tell you as a communicator or whatnot, um, I will see words and I can't get them out of my mouth. It, it could be something like chair. I can see a chair. I, 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 so it, sometimes it comes off like a speech impediment. And I had to tell my family help me don't do that all oh no let them figure it out don't you know no say the damn words so i can move on here because you're going to lose this interest in anything i'm saying and uh but it does happen and and my multitasking but that gets shorter as we get older anyways so uh but yeah that was something yeah no well, you that, are you are really are quite a communicator you are really gifted well, thank you. And I've always prided myself on that, being able to do that. So uh, when it hangs up on me like that, it's very, very disheartening, very frustrating. You'll see it happen at some point, you know. So tell us about your television show. 
YouTube, Tarot with an Attitude. Just go to YouTube and type it in. I'm uh, Right now I'm doing live Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. Saturdays my wife joins me. We call it the Magical Unknown, but it's all on Tarot with an Attitude. She reads as well, does runes, different things like that. Um, and I come on, I started it uh, doing it six days a week at 9 o'clock Eastern. Now it's 10 o'clock Eastern. Uh, as a place where I really emphasize gratitude. If you want to change where you're at, what did you start out today saying thankful for? What are your intentions? Putting it back on people that this is, you know, you can't blame everything on everybody else. I know you may have had a bad, a bad trauma, you know, there's trauma, things like that. I'll be glad to help you deal with it. But you still have to make that choice to move forward. And that's, that's what I do. I talk about gratitude and people come on the show. They'll start asking me questions and I do very fast reads. Um, and I tell people to come book a session at uh, tarotwithanattitude.com uh, is where my site is. And, you know, that's where a lot of people come. I've done a lot of readings through there. Um, but we talk about, we don't do a lot of politics because I'm trying to give people a space from that and, and just learning it's about you right now. Okay, and whatnot. But that's where I developed the term bangerang. I was watching Hook with Robin Williams. And, you know, they're all throwing insults at each other when he starts to catch on. And this is the first time he finds his magic again. Or I like to say reclaims his magic. Because somebody insulted him. He threw the ins another insult out. And when they insulted him back, they went bangerang. What you put out, you get back. And that's where we're at. I remind people how to set your intentions. What do you need help with? And I'll do very quick one, two, three card readings on the show. You did. We had you do me. You did me. And you did, <laughs> you did an I'm glad you admitted that, Kevin. <laughs> I did. I did. I got. I got done. I got done good. It was awesome. And yeah. then you were great. And Thank it you. was. And the readings. I'm hoping. We're completely accurate, and we're and moving forward. And, and in fact, um, we are going to go down the road a little bit and see if we can't work together on some of these things. Would love that. Absolutely love that. Because I one of the things I want people to know when I do readings, especially the, the, the very religious right, they're like, oh, that's a Satan. I'm praying to the same God you do. I just give him more power than you do, and I believe he can talk to me in more ways than one. But I'm not connecting to Satan. I'm not, it's not all me. It's God gave us these gifts. Everybody's got them. Some people just tune into them and other people don't. And I listen to the messages through the cards and I give those messages. Every show starts with a prayer, you know? So that's cool. Yeah. That, that's now is your, is your, is your father still with us? No, he is not. No, he is not. Neither did is you, my mother. Did you and, start doing tarot before they left though? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Satan incarnate. You know, our, our last three years of me and my father were not good. Um, it, it is one of those things where I know he was paranoid delusional, but he had different selfish mean streaks throughout my whole life. I know in his own way, he loved me and I was there with him right up until the last minute. He died with me holding his hand. But from that point, I never, it, it, it was done. I never shed a tear and, uh, you know, or whatnot, but yes, no, he, mm -mm. 
I've got an aunt, that one aunt that's still alive that she's like, I love you. I like what you got to say. I want you to be a preacher, but I can't do those tarot things. She just grew up that way, you know, old Southern and that, you know, you're a witch, you're, you know, whatever, you know? Well, I can, I can tell you my belief is, or my, my knowing is that on the day that you cross over, your dad will be there to meet you and he's got a great big apology for you. Oh, I think so. I think so. People have asked me, is your dad, because I pick up on other things and, and, and it's not my forte, but when I get it, it comes in hard. My dad's never come back to me. My dad, my mom's been around once or twice to go, I'm sorry. Um, but my dad, nah, he's off. He, he's too busy. He he's on his own thing. He's never tried whatnot. And, uh, you know, we'll see where that goes, but it doesn't bother me. I don't, I don't hold that hate in my heart. And that's one of the things we have to understand. If I choose to hold that hate and anger, I'm choosing to drop my frequency. I'm placing that, and I can't do that. You know, it, it's There's time no to live. It's, it's self-defeating. Yes. Yes. To do that. Because, because at the end of the day, what they, you know, that old saying, it's none of my business what you think of me. Right. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's none of our business. But if we take it on, then that, that only def goes to defeat us. That's right. That's right. And you give power to the people that you're already angry at. I don't give them that power. And you know? that so. makes them angrier. Yes. So therefore it's on them. You know? <laughs> exactly. It's their deal. It has nothing to do with you. Yeah. It's, it's gonna suck when I'm standing over your coffin, you know, <laughs> going, you know, do you want me to preach the funeral? It's, you know, or whatnot, you know. <laughs> so uh and I've got a question for you. Uh, this is just real quick. Isn't some of tarot from the uh, Kabbalah? Yes, actually is. And there's the tree of life. There's different ways you look at it. There's different theories, things like that. Matter of fact, on March 18th, and I'll get with you because I don't want to put something out you don't want me to put out or whatnot. I'm actually doing a class people can sign up for. It's tarot simplified because everybody makes it way more complicated than what it, what it needs to be. And again, individualize it for you. So we'll we'll talk about it this Friday on KKNW eleven fifty AM. And if you want to, if you're not in the listening area in Seattle, you can go to www.1150kknw.com and they'll stream it live for you. So Yeah, I checked that out. That's really cool. Yeah. So so we 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 had a gentleman on the other a couple of weeks ago that got calls from Tijuana from uh british columbia south carolina um so we are listened to and especially people that have got great content which you do rob Thank i you. can sit here and talk to you for hours and yeah we could have we could have a ball we, we're, we're gonna, gonna have, have a ball we're gonna have a chance to do that um, in the but, show, I have people from India, Australia, uh, the UK, Canada, and all over the U.S. that are coming in. It's it's really cool. And I told my wife, I said, to think that these people are coming from around the world and interested in something I have to say, I ha it's like awe-inspiring. You know, it's like, you know, you gave me that time of your day. Thank you. You know? You're going to change somebody's life, and you already have. And that's, that's well worth your time. I think uh, I changed my wife's life. I hear her crying every night before I go to bed. And, uh, you know. <laughs> that's all right. I buried mine in my backyard. So There I, you go. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so, 
Reverend Rob Lee, if you want to go to uh, terrorwithanattitude.com, is that right? Yes, sir. Terrorwithanattitude.com. One last thing before we go, sir. I just, you know, everybody, bangerang. Remember what you put out. And also, one of the things I love about this show, what you put in. What you put in is what you're going to eventually put out. And that everything you're doing today is setting you up for tomorrow. So think about those thoughts and 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 just remember bangerang. 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 I like that. Stay right there and thank you everybody for listening today. Hold on. Thanks for enjoying this episode all the way to the end. Please give us a like and subscribe to this channel. This has been a production of kmmedia.pro. Please visit our website, oddly enough, named kmmedia.pro for more details about us and our mission, which is to provide great, positive programming designed to inspire us all. I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember, be kind to each other, because each other's all we've got. We'll see you next time.